shores for the war in Europe. I don't think so. I don't recognize him. Anyway, those don't look like oil skins. He slowly reached out a finger and lightly prodded the corpse's chest. Yeah, reckon he's dead all right, he announced with growing confidence. Maybe he fell overboard from one of the cargo ships. Danny nodded gravely. He must have fallen, he added soberly. Sean, encouraged that the corpse wasn't about to spring to life, grew bolder and started to pull away some ribbons of seaweed that had wrapped themselves around the body. Prince resumed licking the dead man's face. "'He ain't gonna wake up, Prince. He's gone,' said Sean. He had pulled away enough of the seaweed to reveal the clothes on the corpse's body. No oilskins, no slicker. "'That ain't a fisherman,' he said suddenly. "'That's a flying jacket. He's an airman.' one of our boys. The pair of them stared with renewed awe at the dead man rolling with the rhythmic pattern of the waves. Gee, reckon we should bury him, said Danny. We could make him a nice cross from some driftwood. There's plenty of it lying around. Sean considered the idea, but he knew this kind of thing required the intervention of grown-ups and someone official to square the box and nail the lid, as his mom used to say. We should really go tell the deputy, or my dad or someone. He's one of our flyboys, Danny. That makes him important. You go and get my dad and tell him. I'll see if he's got a name tag. Danny nodded, relieved to have an excuse to step back away from the body. He turned around and ran back across the beach toward the sand dunes and the small village of Port Lawrence beyond, casting one last glance back at Sean as he kneeled down beside the body. Sean watched Danny go before turning back to the body. He wasn't that keen to touch it any more than he had to, but he knew it was the right thing to do. The man had a name, and no doubt a mom and a dad, and a missus who needed to be told where he'd ended up. Sean knew the body would have something with a name on it, a dog tag or a name badge on the chest or something. He knew all the flyboys had some way to identify them. With one hand only and a barely concealed look of distaste on his face, he slowly peeled back the lapel of the leather flying jacket and prepared to slide his fingers under the wet tunic and hunt for some tags. Sean was fully aware that he might just make contact with the dead man's cold flesh, and his bottom lip drew back with disgust at the thought. But he needed to probe no further. His eyes widened when he saw the object lying under the lapel of the flying jacket and upon the man's still chest. Oh, boy, said Sean. Three miles off the coast of Rhode Island, present day. The sea was as flat as a tabletop. The failing light of an overcast evening sky painted it a dull, featureless marble gray. Jeff sat on the aft deck smoking and looking back over the stern gunwale at the pale wake of suds trailing behind the trawler as she made a steady six knots south. Undisturbed by the calm sea, the wake extended off towards the horizon, where one drab gray merged seamlessly into another. When it was like this, so calm, so quiet, he found it hard to believe that they were on the open sea and not in some sheltered lagoon or inland lake. The North Atlantic wasn't often like this. He was used to the sea off Rhode Island and Connecticut being choppy along the sound at the very least, and the salt spray from broken waves stinging his skin. But this evening it was subdued, unnaturally calm like a scolded child sulking. 
If it wasn't for the rhythmic thud and sputter of the troller's diesel engine, he knew it would be utterly silent, except for the lapping of water against the hull. No way for the Atlantic to be. It wasn't right. It felt like the calm between two pressure fronts, the sort of calm that had you hauling in your nets and securing down every loose thing on deck. But there was nothing to get excited about, no major weather heading their way, just the ocean having an unsettlingly quiet day. The net lines stretched from thirty-foot outriggers either side of the trawler's pilot house into the water. He could tell by the limp way the lines hung and the reduced drag on the boat that there was precious little catch in the voluminous net beneath the surface, trailing several hundred yards behind them. It had been a poor day. All in all, it had been a pretty shitty week. By a rough reckoning of the last five days' haul, he had maybe broken even on the diesel they had burned cruising up and down this stretch of the banks off the New England coastline. Then there was the cost of the food for the three lads he had aboard. Maybe he'd break.